0: Welcome back to the film experience. You're here for another SmackDown. In the SmackDown series, we take an old Oscar vintage, in this case 2002, and we dive in and rewatch the movies. We always go through the supporting actress category because it's a fun angle and we can't get enough of our actressing. So today's topic, 2002. The nominees are Julianne Moore in The Hours, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Queen Latifah in Chicago, Kathy Bates in About Schmidt, and Meryl Streep in Adaptation. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I'm your host, Nathaniel R., and my guests today are comedian and actor Joel Kim Booster, comedian and actor Matt Rogers, lip-sync assassin Ben Yarr, television critic Emily Vanderwerf, and Variety's Artisans editor, Jazz Tanke. Here they are. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourselves in case they don't know your careers and which shame on them. But <laughs> <I can imagine. laughs> first up, Joel Kim
1: Booster. Hi, yes. My name's Joel Kim Booster. I'm a comedian and a writer. Uh I've written on shows like Big Mouth and the other two. And I have a comedy central special
0: that you can check out if you'd like. Great. And Matt Rogers.
2: Hi, I'm Matt Rogers. So happy to be here. Um you may or may not know me from my podcast, Last Culturista, which I host with the one and only Bowen Yang. I also uh, created and host a show on Quibi called Game Show, and I've written for shows like The Other Two and Netflix's upcoming Q-Force.
0: And I had the pleasure of being on Last Culturista once, which was such a thrill
2: for me. You were. You were such a good guest, and we, that was we a good would episode. love to have you back to discuss all things this.
0: And all things Oscar, if we have an Oscars again, but that's a topic for another day. (laughs) For all the the depression vibes. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have uh, Ben Yar.
3: Hi, everybody. I'm Ben Yar. Um, I'm an actor and a wife and a mother. And you (laughs) might recognize me from one of my viral lip sync videos on the Internet. Great. And Jazz
0: 10K.
4: Hi, I'm Jazz Tanke. Um, I'm currently the Artisans Editor at Variety. And prior to that, you might know my work from having worked the awards daily for five years, writing with Miss Sasha Stone. And that's me.
0: And you might know Jazz and I's work as friends if you've attended various film festivals and us yes. together.
2: It, it is a gag. Work. It's a gag that you're here, Jazz. I've been reading you for a long time and nathaniel knows i've been a fan for like 15 years (laughs) thank you
4: nathaniel yeah nathaniel and i like festival buddies like we never see one another in new york we always like it's always festival so
0: and then
5: finally we have emily vanderwerf hi i'm emily vanderwerf i'm the critic at large for vox and i do a bunch of other stuff that i'm sure i'll mention at the end Hmm. great And
0: I'm really excited to talk to you all about 2002, which you all jumped right on. When I invite panelists, I always give them a choice of years, and all of you are like, 2002, and gave me no options to discuss (laughs) otherwise. So Mm. I'm very excited that you're excited about this year. Um, But I want to start with the downer, because I don't think anybody liked about Schmidt. (laughs) Well... I have a real problem with
1: Alexander Payne and I guess like the intrinsic like fascination with middle-aged white male ennui and it just is not something that is for me, I don't think. And I think I, I, I take a little offense that, like, these movies are supposed to be, like, universal, but God forbid, like, anything, if you tried to tell that same movie about a middle-aged woman or a gay man, people would be like, this is too niche. We can't watch this.
2: They don't <laughs> exist. I always find, though, that there are moments in Alexander Payne movies that do sneak up on me, and because I'm so bored, I don't see them coming. But this <laughs> la- the last scene <laughs> of about Schmidt is a knockout, and I do think that, like, you know jack nicholson is great in it it's just not for me and i don't Wait. i think maybe a lot of people here
1: <laughs> are you talking about the not scene where he reads the letter from the boy I am in fact
2: the, that yeah. is one of the, i hate that conceit so fucking. well so bad. do i but because it's emotionally manipulative but it did work on me because that's what emotionally manipulative things do <laughs> they manipulate <Yeah>. your emotions <laughs> <laughs>
4: Were you hoping, though, like, revisiting it, like, 20 years later, that it would be, like, maybe you would like it a bit more? But, like, that's Mm -hmm. how I went into some, okay, maybe you're just going to find something to like about it. And Mm -hmm. by the end, it was like, okay.
0: I did not. This was the movie I remembered least. So I did not, like, have any expectations other than remembering I thought Jack Nicholson was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, I just couldn't get into it (sighs) years later. And I Emily, just remember I know, I know you had trouble, Emily
5: yeah, I really loved this movie when it came out in two thousand and two. I grew up in the Great Plains, so Alexander Payne, if nothing else, was really good at capturing how gray they are, um, and i I lo- like I loved those early shots of Omaha, even now, um, but the movie itself is so cruel and so needlessly so. And I agree that last like the last shot especially is beautiful, yeah. but that's so much on Jack Nicholson. Like like yeah. Payne's writing and direction is so heavy-handed. This the way the score comes in, all of that is just <laughs> and yet Jack Nicholson is an undeniable national treasure, so there you go. Did this movie make you all miss him? Yes. Come at all.
2: He's singular. I mean, you know, it's one yeah. of those things where it's like that is what you want in a movie star. You, you know, what can he, what can this person give that no one else can? And he does have a Nicholson whole, it, it's like a whole s- state of being. It's like a vibe that no one else can
1: create. I, I I will say the one part of the movie where I sort of did lock in a little bit was not the end scene, but I did love the wedding speech scene. And I think that he's doing a lot mm. of really great layered work in that scene, especially that is like so subtle Um, and that was like the one scene in the movie where I was like, okay, I'm like, I I can see why this movie is sort of sits in the place that it sits in our sort of collective consciousness of pop culture. But I was mad the whole time.
3: Yeah. I sort of feel the way about Jack Nicholson that I felt about Meryl and adaptation where like some of the material they were given wasn't incredible, but they are those types of actors that are able to layer on top and below of the material, like, their own humanity and I felt like that is sort of what saved that movie. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. But Ben, you were the biggest fan among us of Kathy Bates's work.
3: Really? Yeah. I mean maybe I was just so desperate for like some like (laughs) someone alive in that movie. Yeah. You know?
2: I also, I, I do love when a flat out comedy performance gets nominated, but my thing is like, if this is the year where we were going to be doing that in a major way, like seeing more light performances, more fun performances nominated, then for me, like the comedy supporting performance of the year that would be in this category is like Andrea Martin and my Big Fat Greek Wedding. You know what I mean? Like, totally, I just don't totally. think we were having enough imagination about what to put there. And I do think that while she is. Relentlessly funny in the movie. I mean, Kathy is Kathy. She's uh, she's good. She's iconic. She's she's just gonna come in there, execute, collect the check, and head home. But you know, I just don't. I think to say that she wasn't riding a love of Jack Nicholson would be, I think, yeah, you know,
0: just a little obtuse. Well, she wanted to ride Jack Nicholson.
2: She sure did, and she did (laughs) a great job of convincing us of that. (laughs) It's such a funny,
1: like Pacific Northwest version that I feel like we're so used to seeing now. It's weird to go back and watch this movie now after like mm-hmm. knowing Kathy Bates is like, the breadth of her work now and then seeing this performance was, I don't know. I, I didn't love it. I felt like it was a little, I think I said to you, it was a little like condescending almost that they nominated her for this. Like yeah, It just weird. was like, I don't know. Something about it just didn't, in this and now in
5: 2020, it just didn't sit right with me. So- so much of the conversation around this film when it came out was about Kathy Bates's nude scene. And like mm-hmm. to a real degree, she was nominated for that nude scene, which is kind of, you know, un, uh, I, 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 that's not a great thing. Like, I think she's very funny yeah. in the film, but I found, I found that section of the film. So classist that like, I struggled to lock into what she was doing. And like, I can acknowledge that she's very good, yeah. but the character is kind of a disaster.
0: Well, yeah, but I put character in quotes with this uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> like, a collection of like one-liners, and some of them are really funny. Purely, based your fucking words. milk is great. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That was I, iconic. The, the thing with the the pills where she shakes them—that something about that just made me laugh so hard. When she's like, "They're expired," but <laughs> it was she's just, very good with the word fuck.
2: Things. Yeah. <laughs> she's yes. very good. She's skilled at delivering the word fuck.
0: Yeah. And then the way she pronounces, even the way she pronounces little words like poem when she's talking about gifts you can bring to Christmas, a poem, a poem. There was something about it that just made me like chortle, but it's, there's not a character there, I don't think.
5: This is weirdly, this is a weird bridge from her work in like misery, where there is like this fully formed character, to like American Horror Story, where she just comes in and like spouts one liners and it's, it's great and fun, but like Correct. she's capable of so much more and nobody's asking her to do more. Yeah. But that's probably a good segue to adaptation because it's a, a couple
0: of people mentioned her evolution as an actor and comparing her to, you know, other things she's done. And adaptation is all about varieties of the self, you might say. And I have had, I just wanted, a lot of times on the SmackDown, we talk about revisiting a movie and the experience can be so different. Every single time I've seen this, and I think four times now, I've had a completely different reaction. Mm-hmm. And I've never quite decided if I like it or not because it just like fluctuates so much even while I'm watching it does anybody else have headstrong strong feelings like that
1: I remember when it first came out being like oh Meryl 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 and the now watching it I am sort of like oh this movie is and I hate to say this I hate believe I'm about to say this is about the men it's about Chris Cooper for me it's about Nick Cage's performance and like it Meryl is like I guess giving the quintessential like supporting performance but there's not a lot there there I think for me with Meryl's performance in a second rewatch but I could be wrong
4: it's so interesting because I think Nathaniel I'm like you the first time I saw this was like at the peak of like my Meryl obsession and <laughs> oh I didn't first... realize
0: that it, that had peaked Jess I thought that <laughs> was <an> ongoing
4: <laughs> <laughs> but it was like one of the first peaks and um I was like, what am I watching? I had no idea. And I couldn't decide if I liked the film. And I still can't, but somehow it's still one of her best performances. So it's like, like you said, like, you know, it is a film ultimately about the men, but there's something about her performance that's also so classic and so, like, memorable. And it is, like, the definitive
2: supporting actress.
1: Do you think she's better in this than she is in The Hours, though?
2: Ooh. She's tremendous. That's what I, In watching Julianne's performance in The Hours, I was like, God, Meryl was also the best Meryl... about this <laughs> oh, by, oh, by a mile. <laughs> I mean, her, her anxiety I... attack in the kitchen, poosh.
5: I think she's actively bad in the hours, so i like I like her more in adaptation like i I hate the hours I hate it, hate it, hate it, and I think she's actively bad there i think I think it's the fault of the directors and editors more than her. They're pushing her into a place that is for me super fucking artificial but yeah i I think she's fantastic in adaptation, and I think the hours is one of the handful of worst performances she's ever given.
0: That's so funny because I love her in the Hours so much. Love her hour. I'm like, now we have the Smackdown. Um, wow, it's I, really strong. I, yeah, like the the her whole even I I think it just taps into this thing about her that is easy to like mock, like when she's not putting on like a, a full like character with an accent and all that. Yeah. This like sort of breathiness and this flutteriness and all yeah. this like mannerism. But it it's totally, Nancy <laughs> Myers. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it totally works. Dark Nancy
2: Myers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But even the line reading, it's so iconic to me about, like, I seem to be unraveling when she's wearing the gloves in the kitchen. I, just yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I, I love that scene. But I think the thing that I love most about Meryl, like, what I really enjoy watching her do is I just love watching Meryl have fun. Like, my my favorite performances of hers, like, obviously not, this is not the universal opinion, but I love to watch her sort of explore her vanity. I think watching Meryl play Vane is one of the funniest things that can ever happen. And so in this movie, she's sort of exploring something we don't traditionally see which is like sort of like an edgier dirtier more sexual side of herself which I really liked watching and I think it's the best maybe one of the better examples of performing high like when she realizes that she's high when she's brushing her teeth so great
3: genius Um, And,
2: genius. and no the dial tone sequence like so effortlessly funny and you know what jazz was saying this being one of her best performances i actually would agree because she so seamlessly blends into the tone of this movie and that shows how smart she is because like you're saying it's a hard movie to get a read on but she seems to have a read on it and you buy her and she sells it i mean at the end of the movie i want to be a baby again like this script can't have blown off the page like she is so good
3: It goes just, it runs the gamut from like trying to be so natural and then going so far off the deep end. And it's just as a credit to her as an actress that she's like making all sides of that seem so effortless and
5: normal and believable. She is the bridge between the sides of this movie. She's Mm -hmm. the one person who gets us from here to there. And she does it effortlessly in a scene where she's supposed to be high, like. She has 17 different tasks to accomplish in that hotel room scene, and she nails every single one of them. I, I This is one of my favorite Meryl performances, too.
0: Well, the 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 drug scene is definitely the highlight of that performance. I do, personally, like, I love the performance, but I don't think it's perfect. And one of my issues with it is sort of opposite of what you guys are saying. When When the movie has that shift to being about a movie movie that's written toward the end, when they're all, like, really outlandish to mm-hmm. me, I wanted her to go a little bit more to make it like clear because when she has that beat where she was like, we have to kill him. It's funny, but like, I wanted it a little more cartoonish so it fit in with how crazy the movie. Yeah. I think that's my,
1: like what I bump against. And I don't think it's her fault or the fault of the performance, but that character is sometimes does feel like a tool of the narrative in a way that is, makes it, difficult because it's so much from his POV like he's sort of crafting who this woman is at different parts of the movie like when she's in the book jacket and stuff like that and I was much more interested in like the smaller moments of Meryl like when she goes to find him and the one guy who's high says that she's beautiful and she's like receiving that information is like so like it it, kind of goes back to what Matt was saying about her vanity um in in that uh, scene where she's like sort of absorbing that. And then later when she finds out that he was probably high is like such a wonderful little like mini journey that she has in the movie, but she makes yeah. everything look so easy.
0: Yeah. And she makes uh,
3: it look so easy to have something just like just under the surface the whole time. I felt that character it was so anxious. Like there was just this little bit of anxiety that was carried throughout the whole thing that I identified with quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, one of your comments that I wanted to bring up, I'm hoping you can expound on it a little is you you mentioned that adaptation has this the overly intellectualized aim to depress people quality of the movies of that era so I was wondering what like if you can give us some other examples like what made you think well,
3: that. i mean what immediately came to mind was like um what came to mind was like garden state and like eternal sunshine. I feel like there was just movies around that time that were like supposed to be these really like I don't know stark representations of like a depressed a depressed mind and it, it at the time it felt very profound but I feel like looking back some of it was a little manipulative
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it all feels like a, a little easy now <laughs> because like yeah. I have
1: a side question for the panel do we think is Nick Cage a genius who has bad taste or is he <laughs> someone who has just gotten lucky with a few good roles. Like I honestly can't, he's in so many bad movies, but he's so, I think he's brilliant in this movie and and in so many others that like, it's so confusing to me looking back, like especially the reconciling with the Nick cage that we know now. And it was like, was there like a sliding doors moment where he could have been like this huge prestige actor if he only (laughs) like the
0: roles that he like wanted to, I don't know. I, I think he, you nailed it at the beginning with the genius with bad taste. Yeah,
5: <laughs> <laughs> because he get like, in like, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry, who was I, asking? I, I was go just ahead.
5: gonna say, I didn't he get in like tax trouble or some sort of financial trouble where he just had to. Start I think working? it was
1: gambling debt.
2: Okay, All right. yeah, that <laughs> reads so hard. <laughs> That's genius for him. I love that as a move.
3: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Yeah, and then but, he started doing like any he, movie. Yeah, and wasn't he like collecting crazy. things too that were insanely strange, he was. like like a Michael Jackson situation where they just bought wow. all sorts of
2: crazy mm. things. Jazz also mentions he was married to Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> that was a sliding door moment. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he had some crazy relationships, wasn't he? Actually dating Cher. I could be making that up. But I think that there was something between them, or there's he has like I a lot of. I think you're thinking of the movie Moon. I think it's moon yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, but I think I think they might there might have been a thing based on that, but I could be wrong. Well, like it we would, had...
0: but but if it had happened, it would track. That's right, great...
2: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I feel like his agent told him, you know, what will be a good next move for you. Go with me on this tax fraud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's so funny in this movie, playing these like two like. Sides of the of the same person. Obviously it's like a joke by Charlie Kaufman about his his genius side and his um horrible side. But I think it's funny that they're so similar in the end. Like
5: what an I, insane movie. Yeah. I I just wanna say, uh I really as an overly intellectual depressed person, uh <laughs> I really do love this movie and I actually yeah, think it's I think it's better than a lot of Movies like it. I think Charlie Kaufman is smarter at filling out the people in his worlds while letting it it, like it's about the protagonist and you get that everything's filtered through his point of view. But all the other people are real people. And the tragedy is that he can't see them as such. And like I, I liked this movie in 2002. I loved it when I watched it this year.
1: I, uh, this was my favorite movie of the bunch, for sure. And I, like, it really does remind me of, like, I worked at um, Family Video for four years, um, which is a video rental store in the Midwest. And I still remember bringing this movie home off of, like, moving it off the new release shelf into the dollar shelves, <laughs> and, like, taking it home. And, like, f- completely, this was, uh, Char- I, I credit Charlie Kaufman with, like, making me feel like I was, like, a movie person. Um, mm. for the first time because mm. of, of this movie and eternal sunshine which both were movies that i was like nervous to revisit because i was scared that i was like 16 mm. year old me versus like 30 year old mm. me would be, have very different opinions about it but i um, happy to report that this movie is still one of my favorites of this crop and eternal sunshine holds up as well
5: shout so out sure to family is. video
1: yeah. <laughs> so it's crazy
2: that your brand was once Family Video, because now your brand is Adult Video.
1: Yeah. Well, they had v- adult videos at Family Video too, and the the. The state, the in our handbook it said we cater to every member of the family. Yes, um, even
2: the was... even the hoe <laughs> in the family. Yeah. We love. have something for the hoe. Yeah. Hey, love I would like to, like to say for the record,
1: <laughs> I was fired from family video after four and a half years of service to that company <laughs> for checking out Rachel getting married without paying for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. too good.
1: Yeah. I still own it. I still have it in the family video case. I never returned it.
0: It's such a good movie. So you chose really well. Is, to yeah. go. <laughs> so good. Another good wedding speech scene. Yes. She's um, a genius in that. One thing I had completely, like, 100% forgotten about this movie was how the platform of being John Malkovich to get you inside of it. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun for me as, like, a movie obsessive to mm-hmm. see, like, scenes recreated in Catherine... Keener, like, everybody playing versions of themselves. Keener, yes. this
2: is so good.
0: Where she just, like, totally hates the writer, obviously, was so funny to me. Even though she's barely... <laughs> and Tilda Swinton. Shout out to Tilda Swinton. Oh, right. It was so you know, funny at the HM. age Jilda... of...
1: Tilda who looks much more like the real life um uh what's her name the the, the woman that Meryl plays. Actually Susan Orland Susan Orland has a cameo in the movie and she looks so much like Tilda. You sort of wonder why they didn't just go with Tilda.
2: <laughs> Probably because they could have Meryl.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the women of this movie are so there's so many great actresses in this movie and they're all used so well and uh, like I just am am really blown away by how they get even in just little bits of screen time they get like full personalities and I think that Merrill is sort of the height of that yeah
6: mm-hmm.
0: well I think that uh, speaks to how good all like uh, Charlie Kaufman obviously you know we're talking about geniuses with bad taste he obviously has good taste because he always gets very strong actors to do these like little bits you can mm-hmm. see that in all his other movies to do and they just, and they always elevate it. Like Judy Greer is so fun
2: in this. And yes, I love Judy Greer. Yeah. Can I ask a question? What do we think of Cameron Diaz in being John Malkovich? Because I actually think that this was like a point in her career which, which she could have gone one way or the other, sort of like a J-Lo moment where it's like, okay, am I going to be actually a prestige actress or am I going to be a celebrity? And sort of this was the last vestige of her kind of being like, I'm actually doing good work or trying to do good work. I was curious what the panel thinks of, I'm going to totally derail the conversation. No, I mean, it's it's
0: fine. I love this sort of conversation. It is a sliding doors moment for her, but I think that the Oscars, like, repeatedly ignoring her when she had that string, I think that decided for her, oh, I'm just. I'm sorry, I'm just a celebrity. I'll I'll back away from this now.
2: Interesting, yeah. Remember her buzz for Vanilla Sky?
1: Remember her Miss Hannigan? Iconic.
5: Girl! (laughs) There were, there were like five years, there were four out of those five years, she looked like she was going to get an Oscar nomination, and yeah. did not, and yeah. that's wild.
1: Is there still time for Cameron, do we think?
5: She's she can... retired. Yeah. She's <laughs> she's like, I she think she, by, by her, her own
2: admission, she's retired. <laughs> she like, yeah, but isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah she's
4: she totally come back.
0: And isn't she life sort life. of doing, like, I saw something about her online the other day, isn't she sort of doing like a goop? or? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's, that tracks, that seems like,
2: that's real. Ben and nice friend in college uh, waited, Patricia, remember when she waited uh-huh. on them in the West Village, Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Cameron Diaz came into the Windsor just by themselves in the middle of it. Like, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon, and Cameron Diaz had a filthy, dirty martini, and Gwyneth had a glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> so <terrible>. and,
3: Yeah. <laughs> and it just feels right.
0: Yeah. Okay, before we get to the big, the big ones, Chicago and the hours that all the gays love to hear about all the time, mm-hmm. these two movies. Um, I think we should dedicate the rest of the conversation to Tony Collette, who is mentioned like five times in everybody's write-ups by all of you, basically.
2: Yeah. could ignore
6: her. Hello. <laughs>
1: my favorite piece of gay trivia is that Tony Collette won best supporting actress in the Boston outer critics circle awards or whatever um, for this part in the hours. Um, and I think I say in my blurb, like I, I think she deserves it more than Julianne does, honestly, mm-hmm. in this movie. And just, like, the, the two scenes that we see her and She does so much with that work. And meanwhile, Julianne telegraphs the entire... Like, Julianne's one... Like, she comes on screen, and you're like, okay, I know what's going to happen. You know? Like, it just feels like... She immediately plays, like, the the beginning, middle, and end of that story, like, completely in just her first scene. Whereas Tony is, like, has five minutes to do take you on a journey.
5: It's um, interesting. Go ahead. It's interesting that we talked about Meryl so much because I think Meryl's really good at knowing what movie she's in. Mm-hmm. And Tony Collette is one of a handful of other actors. So I feel like every time they're in a movie, they know exactly what movie they're in, and they yeah. just play right to it. And it's, it's, she's so like, she's so good at that. I know people like make fun of her performance in Hereditary, but it's exactly right for that movie. Same thing She's perfect in that movie.
0: Perfect. Yeah. She is. She's like one of of the most underrated actors, but the reason I wanted to dedicate the rest of the conversation to her is that the rumor is, and I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've all heard this, that she was Rob Marshall's first choice to play Roxy Hart in Chicago.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I did hear that.
2: Which is and, crazy when you think about it now. The fact that, at, at, even considering that that as, could not be Renee is just wild.
0: Well, that, I mean, that's a credit to Renee that, that, that that's like that. But at the same time, right. I have seen Tony perform on Broadway. I saw The Wild Party, mm. like the first show I saw in New York, basically, after moving.
4: Oh, my gosh.
0: And she was so great singing and dancing. So now I like, I constantly think about that. What, what could have been if she gotten this amazing lead role? was she
1: a theater actress before she was a movie actress or um is that a made-up thing
2: i i think she had theater training but what what but didn't pop off in theater or anything before she started to do well
0: i think that's the same situation with catherine zeta jones actually because she obviously had musical theater training but was primarily like a screen actor
2: i actually think um In talking about The Hours, how you're saying how Tony Collette, like, just so masterfully fits into the tone of that movie. The thing that I appreciate about Julianne's performance is that. Here's the thing The Hours is essentially like a fucking sad drag show. So basically, like, (laughs) what you need to feel from Julianne Moore's performance is devastated. And the woman is so sad and she she's just so she yes it's very heavy-handed and the direction of the movie too is just kind of like look at all this acting happening in this scene where she's in the bathroom and performing being fine but she's not fine it's like it's so heavy-handed but julianne Moore is so good At doing that, like, you can really see her hating being in her own skin the whole time. Like, you see, she is so a woman trapped inside another woman who doesn't know how to be. And Mm -hmm. uh, what I really liked about her performance, especially its highlight in the scenes with Tony Collette, obviously, which are the best scenes, when you can, when you see that Julianne Moore feels she's gonna have a real moment with Tony Collette, she stops performing a little bit. She drops in a little bit and her voice changes when she realizes maybe I can actually be this person who I am inside for the first time. And that disappointment when Tony Collette kind of keeps doing her thing, her, her suburban performance, and it never drops in. Ultimately it ending with, you know, Laura giving her a kiss and Tony Collette like sort of shutting it down. However, she feels about it inside um, there is so much there. Yeah.
0: And, like, Ben, I know you also loved the performance, Julianne's. Uh You really loved it, but you said the movie was difficult in quarantine, and I concur.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. I think Julianne's really good at, like, maintaining a base level of whatever the emotion is the, throughout the whole performance. In this case, it was pure misery. And then, like, being able to lift slightly above that and, like, augment that as the, you know, plot plot determines it. But, yeah, I think that sort of, like, baseline of misery is where we're all living right now, so I was just, like, it was just hard to look at. It's
0: almost like we have that score from the hours playing 24-7 now.
1: Um, I think we can all agree that little boy is shit, though. Oh, Uh, fuck. Get him out of the business. Chase, run, run him out of town.
6: Did he
4: ever do another movie after that? I don't think. We saw. I mean,
2: such a
1: cute little such boy. Such a cute but...
2: kid. His eyes are beautiful. I mean, yeah. like you know, that's probably why they cast him because he's like a little freak.
5: <laughs> but he, <laughs> he grew up to be Ed Harris, guys. Sure did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. I, I was I was tweeting about this movie and how I, I I'm not a fan of this movie and somebody replied with um somebody replied with, but that little boy was such a great actor and I almost what? thought they Who were i you? almost thought they were like a Russian bot or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to sow dissension.
0: Jazz, you've been quiet about the hours. I don't no, actually I know how you degree. feel about I this did one. I
4: just a bed. It's like, it was so depressed. I mean, it's kind of depressing as it is until watching quarantine just kind of like
6: mm.
4: was that. Um, but I do agree. I think Tony's Appearance in this was far more superior than Julianne. Um, just in that little moment that she had it was just far more
0: powerful. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. the one thing about judging like performances that like is difficult in retrospect too, is that you're seeing whole people's careers and you're pulling out these specific moments. So for me, like you know, I'm comparing it to like her performance in Safe because both of them are like these sort of near catatonic levels of like unhappiness in in their body in the world Mm -hmm. and i just safe is so genius that it sort of to me that and and even that same year she's so great and far from heaven that it's hard to like give Mm -hmm. this maybe the proper credit
5: Mm-hmm. I uh, I actually was remembering I used to drive to the Twin Cities to see movies because I lived in South Dakota and they didn't have art house theaters there and so I happened to see Far From Heaven and The Hours on the same day and did The Hours no favors <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Far From Heaven's fantastic You're yeah. a poor
0: <laughs> self <laughs> I think Julianne Moore owes you flowers Emily Yeah. <laughs> and Kate Cake. <laughs> Get the cake right this time, damn.
1: I'm a I'm a huge Julianne Stan. I don't mean to like I like I wish I I liked this performance better. I think she's an incredible actress and I think Oh, me too. If you love Julianne. Look up her Billy on the Street segment where she does <laughs> acting oh, on the street. Oh, so with good. Billy. And cries on command um, doing, uh, in in Times Square, Uh, it is like with a fake Elmo in the background. It is
0: some of her best work on Billy on the Street. I I just love her sense memory, because the the performances on the street are exactly the same as in the movie. (laughs)
2: the the one from the kids of all right is like you could put it on film like that's basically what happens in the movie i feel like it's so strange that she sort of at this time became synonymous for this sort of mastery of domestic despair because i actually prefer her in like boogie nights like (laughs) i kind of she can do everything but it was interesting that she kind of became the poster child for 1950s suburban uh misery there for
5: a second because she's such a vital Actress
0: and Emily was there for it in a double feature.
5: Ooh, was, yeah, you know, made me feel real happy. Actually, I I also watched adaptation that day, so like it was a nice wow. Like, it was That's a nice so awesome. in between between two. What, what a two thousand two. <laughs> yeah, girl. Um, I I just I don't know. I I I really don't like the hours. I know some people love it. I think, I think it is the best kind of camp where Stephen Daldry had no idea he was making camp, and mm-hmm. therefore it's so ridiculous and over the top but I mean as a as a queer woman I think this movie deeply misunderstands queer womanhood and I think it is glamorizes suffering in a way that I find sort of despicable Um, but there's a lot of really fun stuff in it if you can watch it detached from like its themes you know so yeah I, I get why people have fun with it I can never quite get there i'm I'm
0: such an actor sexual that this is like a touchstone a <laughs> movie for me, and i w- I could never give it up because it's just all about the actressing so I there's, do love it.
1: There's, pre- there's precedent though maybe not before this movie for a role as small as Tony's being nominated though right like yeah. I'm thinking of i guess I mean Kathy like, that very is well but no i mean kathy's role was bigger than than tony bigger than I, that but yeah. small. i guess like small role viola roles but that was after i'm thinking yeah. of like specifically viola in um doubt was, doubt. That was yeah. much later yeah she has like two um, scenes in that
3: yeah when was when was elizabeth didn't judy dench have like five lines Did oh she yeah want, she was yeah, in the movie for like just, yeah but she has a few scenes
0: so it's like yeah it's her presence you know she was there for less than 10 minutes <laughs> yeah
5: uh, B- and Beatrice Straight in the the in network is in network. it for like seven and a half minutes. So
0: yeah, that's the shortest that's the shortest one to win the Beatrice Straight. Um, but in the next SmackDown after ours, um, we're doing 57, and one of the performances is apparently one of the shortest ever nominated, like three minutes or something. So wow! Remember Ruby to, D?
2: Oh,
0: yeah, she's not Ruby in D, it D came
2: much. in, slapped a man, and got her Oscar nomination.
0: Yeah, if you want to get an Oscar nomination, get one scene with a megastar and slap them.
2: Yeah, and and, and be 109
3: years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's been my strategy this whole time. I know, Ben. I know. I know. Just got to make, make, it. It. Just Just gotta make it.
4: nomination. She slapped Nicolas
0: Cage. Yep. Oh, yeah. The, Hard win, the win for that. So uh, let's end on a happy note with Chicago. Yeah. And so I had the same reaction that, Emily, that you did, where... I thought it was way overhyped at the time. I liked it whatever. And now I was just like, "What? This movie's fantastic. Why was I Incredible. like so
3: it's so good?"
0: Yeah, why was I so like resistant to it? I think maybe it was cuz it was right after Moulin Rouge, which is one of my all-time favorites, and I was like, I "Well, it's not, it's not Moulin Rouge, but it's wow. So
1: good. I have to tell you um I just this, watched Moulin Rouge for the first time last um Memo- was it Labor Day with It Matt? was Labor Day cuz yeah. I made
2: him cuz he had never seen I it and was like that is, I was like that's crazy
1: And I believe it is um it is a lot like the Star Wars franchise in that if you don't watch it as a young gay child um <laughs> I don't think I don't think it really I, Not I, true. I, I, I watched it and I was like, I don't know if this is it, guys. And I think it really does have to, like, plant itself in your, like, subconscious at a young age uh, and that you grow old with it. Because I think Chicago is so good. I also felt like it was overhyped at the time. Or, like, uh, I eye-rolled, I, I remember, as a young oh gay God. teen when Catherine Zeta-Jones was nominated and won for this. But now, watching it, I'm like, oh, no. She, just of sheer work alone, this bitch deserved it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 um, I want
0: I want to speak, like, in emojis when I talk about that performance. It's just, like, all fire. All just yeah. fire emojis coming out.
2: She is, I always think, like, when, when it comes to Oscar wins, something that I always think is, could anyone else have done this? If anyone else could have done this and it might have been just as good, I always sort of move away from thinking it should win the Oscar. I don't see anyone else at this time giving the performance that Catherine Zeta-Jones, she is Velma Kelly. She, the way that she just shoots that movie out of a cannon Like, with all that jazz. I mean, she's in total control. And I think that one thing is, we talked about Meryl making it look easy to do what she does. Catherine makes it look easy to do what she does in this movie. And it is musically demanding, comedically demanding, physically demanding. It's just, she also is, she's very sort of layered in the way that she does it. She can give you sort of small, quiet restraint, put you down like that, and then be roaring in the moments where she's very passionate and emotional like i think her her solo in cell block tango the way that she sort of very matter of factly is sort of recounting the story and then when she is when she reveals what she's done she just really the rage and the um just indignity of it all and the power and the sort of pride in what she has done you're on her side she's a murderer <laughs> but she's brilliant she's brilliant and she's Steering on screen. She's so terrific in
3: this. I think that's my favorite part. I think that's my favorite part, is that, like, even in the subdued moments and the fireball moments, there's the same level of rage and, like, chaos going on inside of her Mm -hmm. that she makes look effortless.
4: Well, like, you see it in class, right? It's so, like, it's a quiet moment, but it's still, like, yeah, you feel that rage and then she comes out at the beginning, all that jazz, and it's like, she owns she knows what she's doing and she commands that screen and that performance and like you said matt nobody else could have done that performance like just yeah
0: joel i think Did that you young girl froze
2: no. he, he okay.
0: clearly had something to say at that. Moment.
2: oh he's gonna have something to say about this one <laughs> my, am i yeah, back he's yeah he's back. Back. yeah okay um my question is
1: is this category fraud
2: no, it's actually not, and I think that it because it's so iconic and memorable, people think it's category fraud. Well, but I will say I looked up
1: this character has been nominated in the Tonys and in other when uh, for the stage production in the lead category. Have so you seen it, it
2: on stage? Because it is a co lead on stage. They changed the adaptation for the movie is very much centers it around Roxy's story yeah. on stage. Velma is a much bigger part. So it, well, they cut it a whole
0: one of her songs, right? Mm
2: -hmm. well class isn't in the movie Uh, right yeah and um yeah i think that it it actually really is in 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 its essence it is a great supporting role because it causes the protagonist to really set foot in her journey and you do need katherine zeta jones's character as a function throughout but she is not the lead roxy is the lead
0: yeah normally i normally i would um I would be on the side of if, if there's a doubt, they're a lead, but I was surprised watching it this time to, to really feel it. Cause I, I did have that feeling in 2002, like, is she elite? But I was surprised, like, that she wasn't in it as much as I remembered. So I was, like, looking forward every time. But don't you guys think that part of the magic of her performance, though, and I, especially I want to hear from the, those of you who are performers about this, um, is, is how, you know how sometimes when someone has a really great role, you can feel in their energy that they're just so... Like, they're about to bust because they cannot wait to give this performance yeah, to you. Yeah, it's cellular. And there's there's something about people in roles that aren't great that even if they're doing a really good job, it's just like that fire isn't there. Hmm. So don't you think that's part of this?
3: Well, she's I having, having yeah. fun. Yeah, That's exactly what I was going to say. She's loving every second of it, and it's that's so incredible to watch and it makes us enjoy it 10 times more Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I wonder if it goes back to that idea of her having all this training and like finally getting the opportunity to do to show the like she is triple threat and like you know and and somebody like Catherine Zeta-Jones probably doesn't get a lot of opportunities um to do that on this like in a platform like this where the entire she knows this is going to be a worldwide phenomenon and like it's she's you know she's ready to show up and prove that she can do it
5: this is really wild to me. I realized that musicals were not being made that much at this time, but they are starting to pick up again. And like, I realized that she got pregnant and had a baby and probably, you know, had to take a year ish off. I do. It is sort of amazing. to I me. Mean, she wasn't just instantly offered every single musical part. Anybody could think of. It's amazing yeah. to me. They didn't remake cabaret with her, even though remaking cabaret is sacrilege. Like, mm. you know, just all this stuff that should have happened for her.
2: I'm surprised <laughs> she wasn't in Mamma Mia. <sighs> Any well, that, that's what makes you feel like maybe 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 there's something to her as a person that prevented her from getting like this sort of things yeah. because for her for the next musical that she had done to be Rock of Ages, <laughs> something's wrong. Something doesn't add up. But even that one, which
0: is kind of embarrassing, like you can tell when she has her big scene that she's like ready to go. Like she's ready to burst out of the gate, even though it's not a good.
2: Oh, yeah. No, she's I I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. I think that she's so committed and she's so fun to watch. And it's like some of these actresses like that get prestige, like especially lately, like like the Alicia Vikander of it all. Like I'm like, can we have fun? Please have fun. Wasn't uh,
4: great in Feud though? As yes. Yeah, like she was amazing.
0: Okay. Oh, when she did Olivia De Havilland. De Havilland. Yeah. Yeah. She's due a comeback though, like a major. She is. She is due a, a comeback. But Alicia Vikander's a great example because did you not see... not do for a comeback? <laughs> did you see? Bro,
2: when did she arrive? That was like an
0: <laughs> That was like that was like a payola scheme. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't get it at all. Did you guys see that remake of Tomb Raider? Like, she was not having fun with that. And if you, like, think about, like, Angelina Jolie's, like, energy in the original, it's like, you have to have fun with those, like, cartoon roles. Or, like, why are you there?
2: Why are we here? Actress, not star.
5: (laughs) Tomb Raider is an incredibly important modern mythology, Nathaniel. (laughs) It's the female
1: Indiana Jones that we all wanted and clamored for. That's true.
0: So we didn't talk about Queen Latifah at all. Jazz, yeah, you I mean, off? oh my gosh, I loved
4: it. I, I mean, I did an eye roll too. It was like, what is this cast? Like, I was <laughs> so sort of judgmental. I was like hating on it from because I was obsessed with the stage show. So it was like, you know, I was so like protective over it. And then when I heard Queen Latifah was gonna be, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but then again, it's the same thing. She walks on stage on screen, and it's like. Oh my god, you just own this was like the ultimate like again, who else could have played that role? Um and no, I just I loved it. I loved her in it.
2: See, I actually have that's my issue with it is I think that tons of other people could have done this. Like, for example, you were, you were asking, like, what of the other nominees would you like? I would love to see Kathy Bates as yeah. Major Mama Yeah, that's mama. what I was going to say. Like, yeah. this this is the role on Broadway that's the most often stunt cast. Like, this is the one they'll throw to, like, Countess Luann, and that's not a joke. Um, and so I feel like that translates a little in, in the film version, where When You're Good to Mama is certainly not wasted on her. I mean, she is terrific in it she's a star but i get the sense that a ton of actresses in hollywood that could have claimed a mama morton type would have given a really fun take on this and so for it to be nominated for an oscar i think is a is a case of while the performance is fun and i enjoy it it's it rode the love of the movie
1: i'm i'm interested though in like Queen Latifah is another sort of, it's it's sort of the same question as Nicolas Cage in that, like, why didn't she do more prestige stuff? Because she, there is a question in the air for me of, like,
2: is she a good actress or is she a star? Or is she both? She's both. Check. I mean, uh, I mean, she's excellent in the movie called Life Support, which was a, which was an HBO um, original movie. She's really good in that. She's she's, good in set she's amazing in Set It Off. Like it, she's great. Like in set it up. She, she's great in like Secret Life of Bees. Like there are. You guys remember that is, Living grow.
0: Out Loud with Holly Hunter. She's really good in that one too.
5: She's never bad. Like I. Never I, I mean, right. she's sometimes like coasting, but she's never bad. I describe her as
3: solid. She's a solid actress. Like if you guessed her in a role, like you're not going to be disappointed with the results. Great performer. But I mean, my
0: issue, I think, is a little bit, uh, Joel, which I thought you put brilliantly in your thing that that this performance solidifies her as a star, if not maybe not an actress, you said. And I I had that feeling the whole time because she's so riveting in that first scene, but it's like an impossible scene to live up to because... (laughs) She doesn't seem, she doesn't seem, unlike Catherine Zeta-Jones, she doesn't seem that invested in, like, making the, her, non, her non-musical her non number seems, like, energized in any way. Like, there's no twisting. I kept waiting for her to do something that surprised me, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you watch Class, the, the cut song, and I don't think that she adds, like, I, 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 I almost kind of think that her part of that song is part of why they thought that they could afford to cut it. Because uh, it doesn't seem vital. It certainly doesn't seem vital when you watch, like it in relation to the like rest deleted fiends, You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, well, the role doesn't call for ingenuity, and so therefore, it she doesn't give it any because the role is again like it's a function in the movie, which is and it, it is what it is. And when Urkutamama is a fun scene, but there's if if something isn't demanding you, then nah, this is like. It does fall on Latifah, I think, a little bit because Rob Marshall's obviously down to let actresses go for it, you mm-hmm. know? So the fact that there's not that extra oomph, I think, is a fault of the performance.
5: I think it's also a fault of the material. Um, mama Morton kind of falls out of the show after the first act. Like mm. she's there, but she's also just kind of part of Roxy's legal counsel because we need something for her to do. And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think once you're past when you're good, if you're good to Mama, when you're good to Mama, uh, there's just not a lot left for that character to do, even on stage. Um, and I, I think it's a credit to Queen Latifah that we remember mm-hmm. Mama Morton as much as we do. Turn <laughs> out
1: Lucy Liu, though. I mean. <laughs>
5: Talk about giving it oomph. <laughs>
2: Underrated. Waving that gun around.
5: Is she, is she is she a SAG winner for this? Yes. Th- <laughs> so is Maya. <laughs>
2: oh my oh God. God, Maya! I
1: awesome. want to know. I want a documentary on the casting process for the other women in *Zooblock*. Oh yeah, for *Zooblock*. Like, like I want I want to know every like. Why didn't they stunt cast all of them? Only just the. Or is Maya considered a stunt cast? Like, it's so, <laughs> so strange <funny>. to me. <laughs> on So I, I
0: Yeah, that needs a full feature-length documentary, I think. Yeah. Just on Cell black Tango.
1: My biggest problem, it's not with Queen Latifah's performance I think is fine. It's just I think there are other performances from this year that could have gone in that slot. Mm-hmm. And it feels like we're giving Chicago its due with Catherine. I, I sort of feel like we could have given it. To Tony in, Tony. in a couple other roles, like I think, like there's a, there's a couple of like other performances I think from this year that we we might talk about when we talk about other movies from 2002 that I think could have gone into this slot and and been recognized.
2: The twin scene from My Big Fat Greek Wedding by Andrea Martin when yeah. she's descri- that is an Oscar clip. Yeah, right there. It's one of the best comedic monologues that's been <laughs> done in modern history, and I'm not kidding. Literally, no, and and that if we. Broadened our horizons a little bit. That should have been nominated. because Andrea Martin is a legend?
5: I mean, yeah. one of the one of the people who was almost nominated in this category was uh, Cameron Diaz for <laughs> Gangs of New York. So I would not yes. have nominated for that. But no, and yeah, we, we could be
0: glad ahead. for Queen Latifah blocking that if that. <laughs> <defense. laughs>
5: but it could have given Cameron
0: a whole different career. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but my, my heart in this year is with Michelle Piper from White Oleander. Oh, not yeah. Not nominated. Oh. But she did get a SAG nomination, so at least she was in the running.
2: It's yeah. so weird that they really started – it's so weird that they ignored that performance because it, it, it is, like, it is the same sort of thing as Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago where it's, like, so iconic. Like, you remember sort of her uh, manipulative edge and you, you just remember everything about it, even just, like, the way she looked, like – that is a terrific performance like that Oh, that feels so michelle pfeiffer too well
5: mm-hmm. the movie was kind of a flop wasn't it yeah. i'm like i'm sure that dragged it down so yeah
0: and also she's never been one of these celebrities who are like here's my plot to win the oscar and i think no, she don't that, play the game and i think plotting definitely helps you win, win awards
2: she don't yeah. play the game it's like it, even even um i always feel like whenever i'm watching big little lies You love Laura Dern, but Renata Klein is like a great Michelle Pfeiffer role. And where was David E. Kelly on that one? And and it's like you can kind of tell, like, maybe she didn't want to do it.
0: (laughs) I mean, the fact that she's been married to him for so long and she never works with him. They must have made some pact. Like, we're not doing this. I do do want
5: to say, uh, revisiting Chicago to sort of... Uh, pull us back to that unfortunately revisiting it um, I I remembered it being overhyped like you mentioned it has aged so well Mm -hmm. it has aged beautifully one of the things I thought would turn me off about is that basically everybody involved in it outside of John C. Riley, there that was kind of their career peak and Rob Marshall especially has never directed another good movie but like and that
0: was his first time out of the gate.
5: Too. Yeah, and I watched this, and I just was like, its cynicism has aged so well, its mm-hmm. performances have aged so well, its it's everything about it is just more timely in a weird way in 2020 than it was in 2002. Um, I was this was a big rediscovery for me. I really adored it.
0: But isn't that the whole history of Chicago though? Because when it first arrived in
3: the 70s, it was mm-hmm. you know not.
0: It was a huge well.
3: yeah, Yeah. Because it debuted exactly at the same time as a chorus line, and people were so like shocked by the like out there energy of a chorus line and the sort of subdued energy of Chicago, they were like, "Get that out of here." I yeah.
5: think one of the one of the things that's interesting about this show is every time it comes it, when it came out in the seventies, people thought it was too cynical, and then it feels like as time goes on, reality only rewards Chicago cynicism.
0: <laughs> and were any of you thinking of the the um, Fosse Verdon miniseries while watching?
5: Oh yeah
2: hmm Yeah. Michelle's incredible. She's so Yeah, fun.
0: I kept thinking of her, like, about Gwen Verdon's struggle with that show while while watching this.
2: Good I companion. I just want least.
0: to make it a, yeah. I wanted to do a double feature right then.
2: I saw Michelle Williams. Um, somehow me and my friend Sudi got tickets to opening night of Cabaret on Broadway. We were in the literal last row. I don't know how it <laughs> happened. She was great in that. She was she was a great Sally Bowles, I thought.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's one of those who always delivers, speaking of actors who always deliver. Okay, we're running out of time, so I have to do the game. Now, you already said you all wanted to see Kathy Bates as Mama Morton, so you have to pick <laughs> something else. We always end by <laughs> role switching, and the idea of this game is that, you know, it shows how important casting is and how much actors can change a role. So, Jazz, let's start with you. Who would you have liked to see do one of the other roles that we watched?
4: Well, just for fun, I'd like to see Meryl have done Velma Kelly.
0: Mm,
4: we know she can sing.
6: Yeah. So it would be
4: interesting to see what she could have brought to that role.
2: Definitely. How about you, Matt? I mean, that's incredible. I, 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 <laughs> I love thinking of Meryl Streep as, as Velma. I would love thinking of Meryl Streep as Major Mama Morton. That could have been a really fun cameo moment. And honestly, you know we would have gotten some interesting choices. Because that is what that's like. I said that's to me what's lacking with with Queen Latifah is well executed, but I don't know. I don't have an idea of. The she doesn't extra. put her stamp on it. She doesn't yeah, put her right. stamp on it as like this is my role now. In the way the performance way that was feathers. Happened. The performance yeah. was feathers, and that's what I'm <laughs> going to say about that. Um But also, you know, um I think it would be interesting to see Julianne do adaptation. I think it would be interesting to see. Maybe, I, I mean... You what can't would... take all the options, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's just... I, I fully agree with Jasmine, and we'll, I would like to see <laughs> Meryl as Mel, Mel Kelly.
0: <laughs> How about you, Joel?
1: Um, yeah, I was I'll piggyback off of Matt. I think Julianne, I love Julianne in a contemporary setting, and I think her, Susan Orlean, would have been really, really wonderful. I think that Kaufman is an incredible writer, and I think that um, Julianne, out of all of these actresses listed, is the one that could have tackled that material with the same aplomb as meryl did Mm -hmm. how about you ben
3: i think i'm gonna double down and agree um uh, meryl as delma kelly i just want i just want to see what what happened because i know (laughs) it would be crazy yeah nuts (laughs) and that's how you know everybody loves meryl because everybody
0: always wants to cast her in everything emily
5: I I got to piggyback off Julianne Moore as, as Susan Orlean. Uh, I think uh, that was a, you know that was a role that Meryl got a lot of attention for, won some awards for. I think if Julianne Moore had been there, it would have been more of a race in this category because she was seen as overdue. It would have been a break for her to do something inherently comedic. Um, I would I would have loved to see her do that. But also, I would have loved to have seen Queen Latifah as uh julianne moore's role in the hours because i think it would be so like i think that movie needs something to jar it out of its like oscar-y complacency Mm. and doing something like that where you inevitably have to play with like aspects of the time that are prejudiced and, and terrible like that would be interesting to me. I don't know if Queen Latifah's right for it, but like that movie needs something badly to jolt it out of its complacency, and I think I think you need to change up the casting in the fifties somehow. Yeah, my answer would be
0: Queen Latifah in the Kathy Bates role, the Roberta role. Yeah, because you know Queen Latifa's funny; she has good comic timing. But my theory is one of the ways she holds back in uh, Chicago. She she like pulls back from the lesbian angle of the character. <laughs> Not saying why. I'm just saying. Um, Wait, can I say one last thing? What are you saying about about,
2: Dana?
1: (laughs) Can can I say something about about Schmidt really quickly that I was sort of surprised about? Is that I think one of the low-key best performances in this movie is from Dermot. Like, I think it's one of his only, like, truly great post-My Best Friend's Wedding, like, performances is in this movie. He's doing it. It's sort of out of type. It's a little (laughs) bit of a stretch for him. And, like... I don't know. I like I you see you know who that character is, and it's it's sort of surprising to get that from Dermot Mulroney. I think.
0: Yeah, I totally loved him in it too. Apart from the horror of the mullet. Yeah. And if Crystal Method <laughs> brings that back, I'm gonna be really, really <laughs> upset. I just want to say this. Um. So yeah. But I I think it would have been fun to see Queen Latifah hit on Jack Nicholson. Yeah.
1: So that's or honestly, fun. Catherine Zeta-Jones in that role would have been really like seeing Catherine get a little like low class is sort of fun too
5: (laughs) i just i just go ahead
1: oh no i was just gonna say i want to see a pacific northwest catherine zeta jones that's (laughs) a that's a flavor we haven't seen i think
5: all right Uh, i i just want to say uh the very first time i ever went to pride queen latifah was the uh guest of honor and she gave one of the most like Non-distinct speeches I've ever heard. That was just sort of like, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. And like there was this pregnant pause where she could have said anything, and she was like, "With all my friends, so
0: it's great." <laughs>
5: and my trainer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the unwritten story of Dana as Matt, like Matt, Dana. your bestie.
2: <laughs> we, we in the in the community we refer to her as Dana. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh well, this is so much fun to discuss 2002 with all of you. I'm so sad that we have to wrap up, but um, as we're going, please let the listeners know where they can find you. And um, I want, and as you're going, give a recommendation for 2002 that everyone should familiarize themselves with quickly. Um, we go in reverse order this time. Um, ben Yar,
3: um, you can find me on any social media at Ben Yar, and there were so many good movies that year. I think my big fat Greek wedding is just always worth a rewatch. Yeah. And Emily Vanderwerf.
5: Hi, I'm Emily Vanderwerf. If you can find me on Twitter at Emily VDW. My writing is at Vox uh, and I have like 15 million things. I do just look at me on Twitter. Um, a movie from 2002. This was actually like Oscar nominated. So it's not exactly overlooked, but I watched it a couple weeks ago and it's so much better than I remembered. And that's catch me if you can. I think it's one of Spielberg's better movies. And I would not have said that in 2002.
0: And Jazz 10K?
5: Um, You can find
4: me on Twitter at Jazz T or Instagram at Jazz T21. The movie that I'm going to recommend from 2002, I was going through a list of what came out and I saw Crossroads of Britney Spears. (laughs) Shonda Rhimes. Iconic Zoe Saldana (laughs) Saldana performance. That is my movie. I haven't revisited it since then. I don't know how it holds up, but it's like, hey Brittany. Um, Speaking of
0: sliding story. doors, what happened to Brittany's movie career?
2: Damn.
1: <laughs> Tara Manning actually I did watch this movie recently for a different podcast, and it is um, Tara Manning's performance is actually sort of um, astonishing in Crossroads, to give She's that performance. Really in that movie. So yeah. oh, good.
2: Underrated and Don't forget Kim Cattrall. <laughs> <laughs> And Matt Rogers? Well, you can follow me at Matt Rogers, though, T H O, on Twitter and Instagram. And girl, here's the deal. That Spider Man that came out in 2002 is the Spider Man. Thank you. And I know that I have a sister in Nathaniel Rogers in the <laughs> Kirsten Dunst stand camp. And Kirsten Dunst turns it in that performance as Mary Jane. And it's iconic. And it's, I, I think that unfortunately, we, we sort of, after that, in the last 20 years, which is crazy to think, um, have moved towards like dark superhero movies. I miss when superheroes were, movies were vibrant and fun and campy, and I, I love the Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst Spider-Mans. And um, so that, also, my big fat Greek wedding, and The Ring was this year. Oh. Good Naomi Watts performance. Yeah.
0: And Joel Kim Booster.
1: Um, you can find me at I Hate Joel Kim on all social media channels. Um, and um there's two movies that I want to shout out really quickly. Speaking of an incredible Tony Collette performance, About a Boy came out in two thousand two. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the best Hornsby like adaptations for sure. It introduced us to Nicholas Holt. I think everyone is is operating at sort of like the top of their, you know, capabilities in this movie. Hugh Grant is great in this movie. Um it's one of my faves, and um I think everyone should check it out. And then I think low key the best M. Night Shyamalan movie is Signs Science. I think like people give it a hard time for that twist at the end with the water but I will say I think that Joaquin and unfortunately Mel and it is the the best Abigail Breslin performance <laughs> where was her supporting <laughs> nomination? better than oh, yeah. that than Little Miss Sunshine yeah, and it, uh, she, yeah I think it is like all in all it's it still holds up and it is very scary to me still I enjoy it a lot
0: but Abigail does not have a striptease musical number. <laughs> so I'm sorry, they have to have a reason to nominate you. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for everybody for listening. My 2002, everybody would probably know this. Far from Heaven, obsessed. Um, Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore doing Douglas Sirk. Love it so much. So I and I really wanted to watch it after watching all of these, but this was a lot of heavy movies
2: in a row, so I'm going to take a little break from mm-hmm. 2002. Well, you know what actually the queer, the the like lesbian movie of that year was, was Panic Room, but no one knew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so true.
6: <laughs>
2: Wait, is oh. Queen Latifah the voice on the phone?
6: <laughs> she is.
2: And she gives a lot of ingenuity in that one.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. Um, thanks to... Our guests, Joel Kimbooster, Matt Rogers, Ben Yar, Emily Vanderwerf, and Jazz Tanke. Loved having all of you.